This is the Beards of Blue Ridge, episode 33. Um, <laughs> Why's it got to be perfect every time? I like perfection. I like perfection. You're top tier, Graham. Listen, I hear it all the time, but it never gets old. So just keep it. Did you piece coming. that shirt together? Like, yeah, you like that? Multiple. There used to be a hole there, so we just cut. Really, this is, really this is really looks like it's... Back in high school, I used to have a shirt like that old duckhead shirt that was like one sleeve was blue, this was white, <laughs> yeah. that was red. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's stylish, though, now. It's very 80s and 90s. Uh-huh. I'll give it to Graham. He's, he's, he's got a hip vibe to him, Tom. Hey, why, we've talked about his style and his boots, his cut jorts, <laughs> the jorts that he wears, the tank top, and the nice, good two thing. by four he stirs. <laughs> the gumbo? Gumbo. Listen, for yeah, people, that's just on the weekends. And then he, he takes care of his roses. Yeah. <laughs> the Japanese beetles are crushing my roses right now. It's driving me nuts. Those jerks. And my dog, too. So We have special guest, uh, Miss Heather, with us today. Yeah. Hello. How's it going, Heather? Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners what you do here at Blue Ridge a little bit? Um, I'm the HR director. I've been here four years. What does that mean? What's an HR director? They get to hire and fire people. Pretty much. Yeah, all the power, right? <laughs> I like it. And she has to deal with us all the time. Yeah, keep you in check. This might be an HR violation inside here. Keep us in check. It goes even deeper than that. That's what brought me to the topic of talking about um, one, somebody, because Heather's not in, in one of us or in recovery more, so she got in the industry and has kind of stayed in it. Uh, one thing I can tell you about. Heather, she's one of the hardest working people I've ever met, one of the most loyal people I've ever met. So, you know, uh, my thing is, is one, you get into this industry and you're dealing with a bunch of addicts and alcoholics that obviously aren't the most kind people in the world. What what made you, one, want to get into this to stay around? <laughs> right? So I started, I guess, in 2010, and you were in Todd's clinical director um, at a facility, and I had no knowledge. No knowledge. I was just like, it's just people under a bridge. I was just like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just ignorance. Uh, I had little kids. I was like, I don't know anybody in recovery. And when I went to interview, I went to the main house where that facility was. And the cook and art teacher at the time was like, it affects everybody. And I was like, I got in the car and went home. I was like, I don't think it really affects me. And I was like, huh. <laughs> Things have changed <laughs> since then. But it's just no respect of a person. It can hit any family. Because then when I started working there, I saw these, you know, really good parents who mean well and um, love their kids because it was for adolescent males. And I was like, man, you know, I think you're doing as a parent all you're supposed to do and then it can, this can happen. And so since then it's really um, affected our family and uh, my friends, my very close friends. And so it's been really um, great to be able to be a safe place for them to call me no matter what time or day and just go through things and try to refer them places and help them. And I know I've sent emails to y'all, I'm like, I need help for my hairdresser, or I need help because it just seems mm-hmm. like it's everywhere. Does Graham respond to you? When he you does. Know? Y'all are, it's amazing. I mean, I, I feel like, checking. I feel like y'all are so awesome because That's everybody right. just drops, I feel like, I feel like everybody drops what they're doing and they help. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, really awesome. 
And I'll say when I started there, I remember exactly where it was and where my thought process turned from, we'll just quit drugs. And I said that to you because I was doing UR at um, the place we worked. And I was like asking you some clinical. And I said, like, I don't understand why they just don't stop. And you were, we were standing at the copier at the corporate office. And you were like, this is why. And you explained it to me. Like, I was like, oh, man. I had no, I had no knowledge. You should have recorded that. Where you going? What did I say? Refresh my memory a little bit. But please. you were yeah. so kind. Instead of being, you know, she's an idiot. You might have thought that. Right. But, you know, you were so kind to me. Like, well, this is what's going on with this guy. And I was like, oh, okay. So it was really a turning point in me. And now I was able to help my friends whose children have, they're like, I don't get it. And then I've taken that information and, you know, helped them and supported them and, kind of talk them off ledges so it's been kind of cool i love that i love when you know uh, what i like to call the earth person the normal person yeah. such as yourself <laughs> kind of person, <laughs> uh, gets gets a better grasp and understanding of kind of what what this deal is really all about because i didn't know what it was. i always thought that it was the bomb under the bridge right. too and i right. was one you know it took me forever to kind of understand everything that it was really all about um you know, the whole Nancy Reagan just say no, you know, didn't really work for me either. And, and why doesn't it work? I mean, even even when I, was, when I was in the midst of it, I still didn't know. Like, I went back out on a relapse and my mom had a tearful conversation with me. It's like, why do you, how can you keep doing what you're doing? I don't understand. Like, I saw you in the hospital. You're having seizures. You're about to die. And, like, you're doing the same thing over again. She's how can you do this? And I had no response other than to say I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know at the time either, you know, yeah. until I came to a place like this. And in the rooms and stuff like that people actually describe what the real problem of the disease of addiction is and it, and it does it permeates society as a whole there's nobody that doesn't get affected by this disease in some kind of way so that was pretty cool i, I didn't you know kind of know your background one, and yeah. the question parents ask like why you keep doing this is what first of all i would recommend never ask that question because the addict alcoholic has no earthly idea why you know right I, mean? <clears throat> I literally would say to myself I don't know, but the answer that came out was, because you suck as a parent. Because <laughs> yeah. it was, I didn't know. And then I get defensive, and as uh, my ego flares up. It's like, hey, here's a question that's really being posed to me that I have no idea the answer why I can't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it, it terrifies you. Um, at the same time, it angers you, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, that's a good quote. Why, why can't I just, you know, quit this? there's many times I said no to myself and there was a monster that was like, yeah, that, that answer doesn't work <laughs> for me. So this is what we're going to do. So, you know, it's been cool, which leads me to kind of the idea of, you know, as you came into the industry and you had to, to shift and change, it's like, you know, addict or, or alcoholic or non we all have to deal with human beings, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the nature of what that means and, and each personality and all that. And in the position you're in, you know, you have to deal with it frequently. And it's, you do it very gracefully compared to, to many of us that, that aren't so talented, <laughs> whether it be corporate training or, you know, just a natural ability and, and kind of, you know, I, I'd like to fill on the table. It's like, what's some ways, if, if you even can call somebody a difficult person, um, you know, I don't even like to say that, but just to make, simplify things. Challenges. I'm, I well, feel they're like just, I qualify. Well, they're just different. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know I'll that they're, they're challenging. Or, so any person I come in contact with, the, the problem is not the person, it's my perception of what I think that person is or supposed to be. 
It's just like stress. There's no such thing as stress. There's only stressful thoughts that we produce, which creates what we call stress. So it's not the person. I don't. I don't think it's my perception of that person. You know, no, you're right. That drives it, and I. I kind of want to throw that on the table. It's like, what are some ways that we can talk to listeners about how do you deal with those difficult people? Or you know, challenging Marcoses in the. the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, I think watching a topic of conversation, know who your audience is. Right. You know, part of it. Um, what do you mean, like, uh, as in staff? How do we deal with this anybody? anybody? Yeah. I think it just all comes down to just being um, extremely uh, open-minded and open, because everybody comes from different backgrounds, right. and I always say it takes. You know, all different kinds of us to make the world go round. We're all the same. It'd be pretty boring. Um, you know, I've had staff come to me and be frustrated with a specific or particular, you know, employee, and I'm like, not everybody's going to fit your mold of what needs to be, you know, here. Um, I just think it just comes with a lot of grace, and then you just have to listen and and take, you know, just listen and take it in, and then pick what you can. <coughs> focus on with them that can build them up I guess yeah. I think it's just some people get frustrated uh, and they just don't know um, you know how to react or how to respond to things yeah I don't know I like what you said it stuck out to me because I was listening to respond instead of listening to hear which is what I was getting ready to say <laughs> need to, I think you said listen and I think that's a big component too is oftentimes we don't try to listen to the person. We listen to, to formulate our response instead of actually trying to hear what the person is saying and communicating and feeling or going through, basically putting yourself in their shoes and listening to respond. You can't, there's no empathy in that, right? Um, at least for me, I'm speaking from my own personal struggles with trying to communicate with difficult people or whatever it might be as I, I typically am listening to respond. Yeah. And make sure everything I say is right. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got the most profound thing to say, and I've got the very uh, great leadership quote or whatever it is. Versus sometimes, the best way to communicate with them and to deal with those situations is just to listen, right? And just to be there too, and not yeah. try to always fix things. Because my <laughs> natural instinct is to try to find a solution. Find a solution, yeah. and sometimes I'm realizing that I just need to listen. That's what they're here for. They're here to just vent. Or, you know, talk about whether it be personal or um, work. Just listen to them, and that's all they need. Yeah. So, sometimes just need to be heard. Can you say all that again, Grandma? I was going to say, I think Heather's killing us. Todd's over here taking notes. Oh, so, no. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention, Grandma. I was just. We'll work on that. No, I, I like that, having grace with people and really the understanding and the empathy and the compassion of, of everybody's just different and how do we how do we approach that with, with difficult people. And people always get annoyed because I'll always point to a certain book all the time, uh, the big book, but there's a sick man's prayer in there, and it's one of my favorites uh, because what it really says is, I don't like the way this person's symptoms are disturbing me, but I see that they, like myself, am a sick person too. Uh, and so when, whenever I, I'm dealing with any kind of a difficult person, what I really see is just fear deep down. So what I really see is a spiritual sickness. And when I see that in another person, I can understand I've seen that mm -hmm. before in myself mm -hmm. too. So yeah. taking that inward look at myself internally and knowing that I'm a human and I'm flawed so I can approach another person in that way 
okay, you know what, people have dealt with me in a loving and compassionate and caring and forgiving way, so I'm going to do that here myself and trying to apply that. Always it's like namaste, the goodness in me sees the goodness in you, or, or the Christ in me sees the Christ in you, or the Buddha in me sees the Buddha in you. Just knowing that we are all part of the same thing and we all are one. Like I read a lot of Emmett Fox and he talks about that scientific prayer and really applying that and like we can actually heal each other in conversation and in difficult moments and stuff like that. Just acknowledging that you are part of the same source that I am. No matter how sick you are, no matter what's happening, you are part of the same God that I am. We are actually one. Uh, and when I see that within you, it helps me to kind of take a step back and, and heal from the situation and, and really learn from what this person is going through. Because again, I see this person as just another human like myself who's kind of dealing with this spiritual malady, if you will. Well, if you can say one thing, that might be a seed that you sow into that person's mm-hmm. life that really changes. Like even just you taking that time, and it wasn't a long conversation explaining just that little bit mm-hmm. of addiction, changed my whole thought process about it and that's carried me through working in this industry for 11 years now so you just never know what you're going to say to somebody that might change them if they're difficult what do you think that your career would have been like how long would it have been if you didn't have that understanding uh, uh, yeah. Well, short-lived. <laughs> short-lived. Well, I, yeah yeah it was my husband said when i started working at that uh he goes, your bubble got popped because I was living in this little bubble. <laughs> I was living in this little bubble with my little kids, and you know, I was on staff at our church, and I was just like, you know, I was like, oh, this is nice and tidy in here, and yeah. stay at home mom pretty much until I started working there part time. And he's like, dang, yeah, he, he got, you're in the real world now. <laughs> One of the things something you said that attaches to open mindedness is. Anytime I'm disturbed about something, that's a warning sign for me that I'm getting ready to, I can move one of two ways. I can move to be more open-minded or I can move, move to be more closed-minded. Because it, whatever it is that disturbed me, I need to take a harder look. Um, and, and what typically will happen, like when you're dealing with somebody with substance abuse issues or a parent that's dealing with it, is think about we, we raise our kids and we say the things like be open-minded and empathetic, and yet we're not as parents because we're disturbed by behavior because they're not behaving the way I taught you to, to mm-hmm. live, you know what I mean? Therefore, you're not very open-minded about the circumstance for that child. They may see the world totally different. So it's like one of those things is, and then when you're not open-minded, you, you rarely can actually extend any form of grace, you know right. what I mean? So it's just like the snowball effect that I think people get lost in at an early age of, you know, it's a cycle of, of being a kid, turning into a parent or whatever it may be that you go through this process of, like when I had my daughters, there was, it, it was one of those weird things and I still haven't really done it. Outside of, of what I talked about the other day when I pray with them and, and say that I want them to be kind to everybody they meet, I've not painted a future for that. you know what I mean? Like it's, there's nothing, I don't necessarily want them to have anything or not have anything. That's for them to kind of mm-hmm. determine. Um, I have no issues with necessarily how they per- live personally. Now there's behaviors, obviously, like I don't let them listen to in front of me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but vulgar stuff that's just foul and not necessary, it's not healthy for the mind, you know what I mean? It's not seeds that you want to plant in, in the mind. It's not that I'm not open-minded to, to that kind of music or whatever it is that helps other people, but at their ages, I don't know that that's right. 
Yeah, I would venture to say it's probably scientifically proven not healthy yeah. too. Yeah. But, you know, it just brings up that point of when a parent's struggling with a kid, just the fact that they ask, why do you keep doing this, is a sign of a disturbance and then a closed-minded question. You know what I mean? It's you're asking. It's it really is a, a even a close-ended question of why are you? <laughs> right. Or it, it's open, but they're never going to get a, an open answer because they don't know. It's going to be I don't know every time. So it's you know one of those things. I think when we walk through life, even here at work, and you feel a disturbance, it's the question is Are you going to lean into it and say What is it that truly bothers me about this? You know, and, and figure that out and be more open to that than not. And I think us as, as people that work as, in this industry have to be more open to that. So we get rigid in, well, this is the way we've always done it. This, right. Is, right. this is how it's done. This is not, man, there's so many new, I was telling somebody the other day, when I came on here, it was blasphemy to mention somebody getting on their cell phone to do anything. Like, no, you don't do that in treatment. You know what I mean? Right. So for me, it was like, well, why not? Because technology is so far advanced at this point. That's the way people live. You know what I mean? Their emails and all. And I get a good disconnection, but it's it's like taking the heroin addict or alcoholic and, and taking all that away with no no detox beds. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's somewhat dangerous. So it's like yesterday we had a guy um, that it was going to order some clothes online that he wanted or me go to Walmart and get, you know, cheap stuff that I don't even know that's going to fit him that way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Okay. So it's the, the beauty of bringing something in like technology where it does benefit us or, or whatever. It's different open-mindedness, different viewpoints. You know, addicts and alcoholics have some phenomenal viewpoints on life, but older school parents and even older people in recovery don't see that. You know, they get correct. They get fixed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. On this house, this is the right way to do it. Whatever it is. <laughs> and what you said about seeds, the beauty you can go and you can count all the seeds in an apple core, right? Mm -hmm. You can pull it out. But what you can't count is the number of apples that'll come from that one seed. Yeah. You just never know. You know. I'll say when I started, when I went to my first um, HR conference with Acadia, um, I was sitting at a table and. Somebody said made uh, the assumption like we don't hire people in recovery. I was like, oh, we hire people in recovery. I'd say probably you know 80, 85 percent of our staff is in recovery. And they're like, oh, like you do? I'm like, they're the best employees ever yeah. because if they're working a program and they they are transparent, they're honest, they they're hard. Work. I mean, yeah. I said that was that was kind of a cool thing that we get to hire people who are in recovery and who are passionate about being here. Well, the other cool thing is if, if you have to fire them because they're not behaving right, you know, so they're not working a program. <laughs> Normal people, you have no idea. Right? Like, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. It's not an anagram alcoholic. It's not a good person. <laughs> so we got a reason. We got an out. I like it. Always. But I think it's one of those important things, topics in my life anyway, of like, because I can, I can, start to manifest these stories of certain people are going to enter my life and cause certain problems and then when that type of person shows up i'm already on the defense you right. know what i mean um and that that's been a ongoing challenge for me to kind of work out of and view it very differently you know it's people aren't 
I don't, I've had to shift to people aren't in my way to cause me problems. It's like God sending those people in my, in my sphere of influence for some reason. I don't know always what it is, uh, but can I show up with that energy, that kindness and, and patience? Can I be that each time I engage or interact with somebody? Mm-hmm. That's the way I've had to try to kind of shift my perspective on that too is like thanking the people that come into my life who are difficult like thank you for being my teacher because you are you're teaching me to grow internally and spiritually and emotionally and mentally you're teaching me patience tolerance kindliness and love and I'll like I'll call my sponsor on a resentment somebody's frustrating me he said did you pray for patience and tolerance this morning I said yeah <laughs> yeah he goes well, there you go buddy. <laughs> like you got it you know and so it's it's that one like I'll thank those people like thank you for for helping me to kind of understand patience and tolerance and love and, and kindness just a little bit better on a, on a little bit different level. So if you thank us for that, we were difficult? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like it. Because people are going to be difficult. Well, I mean, yeah, the, I can't the, the act of, of forgiving somebody, what you just brought up, is like when you got that resentment of being able to forgive somebody, it's actually an act of self-love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like they, you're... Me not forgiving Heather, Marcos, or Graham, or you doesn't hurt you, it hurts me, you know, so it's like this, I can hold on to that all day long, y'all don't know any different, but when I can forgive and let it go, you know, and Wayne Dyer says something that's, that was pretty cool, he talks about the word universe, you know, and una means one, and verse means song, so it's like one song, you know, we're all here together, really living one song, you know, and, and it's like, when it's it's my turn to, to play or be the note, it's like, how do I show up, you know? So mm-hmm. it's I think we're going to always come across, even our spouses sometimes, that, at least that's what Graham says frequently. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Your wife doesn't nice. listen to this, though, does she? No, so you can, I can say whatever can I want. Whatever I'm can, the, yeah. Well, why do you always say this stuff when we're off there? You should just, if she doesn't listen wow. to it. See what they do to wow. me? I told you, right? Uh, I do love, all joking aside, which you said too, of everything, every, a lot of stuff we talk about, we'll talk about different topics. It all comes back to like ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And working on ourselves and, how do we show up for other people and people who uh, something that disturbs us, right? It has less to do about that person and more to do. Hey, I need mm-hmm. to take a look at myself, sure. right? So, you know, kind of coming back to we talked about how do we deal with in HR or with clients or, or spouses or whoever. To me, it comes back to well, you can only you can only take those people so far, you know, as far as you're willing to, you've taken yourself emotionally, whatever it is. So whether it's your kids or your staff or your clients, you know, if you want to, if you want to go farther in that relationship or take them farther or down a more spiritual journey or in recovery, you know, you yourself have to take yourself as well. Does that make sense? For sure. I think so. Um, Especially kids too. That's always... It's always good stuff when you talk about your kids because, again, I've said before, like, they're, my kids are parenting me, I feel like, more than I'm parenting them, right? So I'll constantly, you need to do this, you need to do that, and then they'll go to bed and I'll be sitting quietly and I'm like, I tell them to do that and I don't do that. Like, that's not, so always, always coming back to ourselves and what are we willing to look at, what are we willing to do, how far are we willing to push ourselves, that kind of thing. Well, and and knowing that, 
you know, when you, you and I probably may have said this before, but when you squeeze an orange, what are you going to get? Orange oh, juice. Orange. Yeah. <laughs> so the reality of it is, is whatever is inside of you, when you get squeezed, it's going to come out. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you face people that you may say are difficult or t whatever it is, uh, know that no matter what you want to be, you won't be because what you're going to be is what's inside of you. You know, and, and that's the piece you got to constantly go internal and look at. And I got a buddy of mine, um, you know, he just had his first kid and he's terrified. You know, like, what if I don't, what if I don't love the baby like I'm supposed to? Or what if I'm not? And I was like, man, like, you, the father you're supposed to be is already inside of you. It, the matter is you going inside and finding that person. Mm -hmm. You have, there's nothing in your history that says that you won't love and adore this kid look what you've done for me and and how you've been in my life as a friend and i'm just a friend this is your your kid yeah. you know so the way you've loved me and, and been there for me now it's a whole different level yeah you know so it's it's one of those things that i think asking yourself that question if, if i was a, an orange would i produce orange juice or would i end up producing something <laughs> different than that <laughs> because we put on a face for the world and then when we get squeezed, what comes out? And it's usually our loved ones that experience what comes out. Closest to us, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, for sure. They're the ones that get the brunt of whatever. Right. Anger or fear or insecurity that I have. Yeah, and I think my saving grace as a parent is the ability to apologize. You know, be like, hey. <laughs> That wasn't okay. I'm working on it. So I had to tell my son while I was like, you know, you may have figured this out by now, but your father has a lot of flaws. Right? <laughs> and I'm working on it. And I'm sorry. Because at least when I was a kid, I'd listen, I don't know if adults said it, but I felt like everybody was like, I would see all these flaws and they were like, nope, that's not right. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you need to, and I felt like they were trying to get me to pedestal them. And I was like, you, you guys sure about that? <laughs> No, you yeah. didn't talk about that stuff. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Nobody had flaws. No adult had a flaw, nah. for sure. But I feel like that's all I can do is be like, you know, other than work on myself. And uh, and I tried, oh, I did apologize to the lifeguard, by the way. Oh, no. Nice. We went swimming. Wow. I had the Coast Guard approved stuff. Did you make stuff. a special trip to do it? Or you? Well, I had to. So even if I was going to chicken out, my higher power set up where I had to deal with because she was the only one that could do the swim test for my son. This is like so I was like, I, I, I listened to the podcast. <laughs> I listened to it. Did well, she even remember the situation? I think she did. I brought it up and I was, you know. You don't forget trauma. You don't forget trauma. You don't forget the I can't angry, imagine how many parents she yeah, deals with. <laughs> angry fat dad at the pool. You know, <laughs> and mad about the... And I got to tell her a little bit of, well, I probably shouldn't, but I was like, well, I was freaked out by it, but, but I apologize. So it was, I think we're, I think we're good. I'm proud, I'm proud of you, Marcos. Yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't 15. She was 40. She's a little old. I don't know if she's 40. How did you get the well, difference in that? Well, I was just saying, because, because last time you guys were saying, like, well, you just yelled at a teenager or something? Oh, yeah. So I was just saying, she, she was the head, <laughs> the, the head lifeguard that I was arguing with. Over Coast Guard approved. So she was trying to keep your daughter safe, and yes. you were arguing. But I, I, I pictured it as a threat because yeah. it meant she couldn't wear her fake Walmart or whatever. Which wasn't safe. Which was, well, I think it was safe. Well, yeah, but she's saying as a lifeguard it wasn't safe. 
Correct, yeah. correct. But it freaked me out to not have it. Then. You deal with that all the time when parents call in and say, you try to tell them based on my expertise in addiction, here's, and they're like, no, that's not, our kids aren't like, you know. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I was wrong, Tom. <laughs> that's that's all wrong. we needed to hear. That's the pre- that's the moral of the story. Well, it doesn't mean it's not like I don't I don't wakeboard or uh, surf with a, a U.S. Coast Guard approved life vest. Well, I use she wouldn't be okay with that. Yeah, yeah no, she, a competition vest oh, okay. thinner, okay, so yeah. you will still float, but not as well. You, know? <laughs> you don't want to get knocked out. <laughs> Well, you'd still float. I mean, it's find you, but like it doesn't necessarily keep your head in yeah. the water. You know what I mean? It's like when I when we surf and and you lay back in it, you go your face starts yeah. going underwater. A regular life vest will keep you yeah, keep you afloat. But you look cooler. They, <laughs> they're better too. You can move. I know somebody. You can move a whole lot. <laughs> move a whole lot better. Good. Yeah, I've seen this. <laughs> well, any closing? Uh, Closing statements, profound things. We've had this. This is a good episode. I'd just stick with the the um, apple core analogy for me. It's more just that you can count the seeds in the apple core, but you can't count the apples that one of those seeds may produce. So it's like always it. about planting seeds with people. I like he just gave me the title. That's what I was looking for. Really. <laughs> I really didn't care. I just, I just needed the title. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We appreciate all that you do at Blue Ridge. Um, anything else? Until next week. Mm-hmm. Any? You got any wise words? No. You I'm wrong. That was really. Good. <laughs> That's all I want. Listen to the lifeguards. Listen to the lifeguards. Listen to the professionals. Not your own opinions. Exactly. You heard it first. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch everyone next week.